Once upon a time, in an age of forests and firelights, our ancestors were wise to the spectrum of human identity. Among the fairy tales and myths they told were stories of glass coffins and marble statues, eunuchs and androgynes, chaste marriages and bodily transformations, symbolic stories that hint at other identities, tales of asexuality. This is the Asexual Fairy Tales Podcast, and I'm your storyteller, Elizabeth Hopkinson. Each month I'll be reading you another story from my books of asexual fairy tales. Some of these are old tales of myth and legend, in which I first found representation for my asexual identity. Others are original stories by me, based on traditional motifs. It's a personal selection. I hope you find something in it that speaks to you too. So sit back if you are able, relax and enjoy another asexual fairy tale. Hello and welcome to a special book launch edition of Asexual Fairy Tales. My new book, More Asexual Fairy Tales, has just come out from Silverwood Books. It has even more new and old tales from around the world and from my own imagination too and some really knockout illustrations by Anna Hopkinson. So this month I would like to read you the first story of the new book which is the story of Amethyst. Amethyst is just one of my favourite words, it has such a beautiful sound and when I found this story I knew I wanted to retell it. It sounds like it should be a classical myth maybe from Ovid or someone, but it's actually from a poem of 1586 by the French poet René Belleur. Sorry for the French if that accent's not good. And at the end of this story I couldn't resist adding my own touch of the purple in the asexual flag. A woman named Amethystos was travelling to the temple of Diana in the sacred grove, deep in the heart of a forest. She was going there to worship the inviolate goddess because she wished to remain untouched. Coupling was not for her. Unfortunately, the forest was also home to Bacchus, god of wine, who was not known for his temperate behaviour. Even when sober, he was not one to restrain his appetites, and he was seldom sober. Lovely lady, why are you worshipping Diana? Surely you're not still a virgin at your age. Amethystos quickened her pace. You just need to have a drink and relax. You'll soon lose your inhibitions. Amethystos knew he was talking rubbish, and she knew her best defence was speed. She began to run, under the boughs, over the roots, through the undergrowth. Bacchus followed, through the undergrowth, over the roots, under the boughs. But Amethystos was fleet of foot, and a drunk doesn't make the best runner. Bacchus was soon tripping over roots and getting twigs entangled in his long ringlets. Amethystos was getting away, so he released his tigers, two huge guardian beasts who lay at either side of his forest throne when he tasted his finest vintage. At a word from Bacchus, they sprang forward like two fiery comets, graceful and deadly. Amethystos knew they were pursuing her, but she dared not look back. 
A moment's hesitation could cost her the advantage. Lose that, and she would soon feel hot breath on her heels. And then... what? She ran as fast as she could. Branches snagged the sleeves of her dress. Branches of gold. She had crossed the border of the sacred grove. She was within Diana's realm. Diana, help me, she prayed. Immediately, she felt her body change. Her limbs became heavy, her movements slower. Soon, she had no limbs at all. What was left of her grew harder, fused together. Amethystus knew that she was strong, strong and beautiful in a way that let the light shine through. Though she could no longer speak, she shone. By the time Bacchus reached the grove, there was no woman, no Amethystos, only the goddess Diana, and a transparent gemstone of unusual beauty. What happened here? he said. Diana's eyes narrow. I always protect my own. Bacchus sank to his knees. I'm a drunken fool, aren't I? Diana said nothing. Allow me to make an offering in penitence. Bacchus took a flask from his hip and poured wine over the gemstone. The colour seeped into its crystalline structure, turning it an ethereal purple. I accept your offering, said Diana, in lieu of the one Amethystos would have made. But don't think this means you've got to her. On the contrary, from now on the gemstone called the Amethyst will be proof against drunkenness, with the ability to neuter the effects of wine. Not only that, it will calm all physical passions and be known as the gemstone of spirituality. Her prophecy came true. For many centuries the amethyst was carried by those who wished to remain sober or to sense a calming of the spirit. But then something happened that Diana did not foresee. The clear violet of amethyst, joined with the white of marble, the silver grey of the moon, and the black of ebony, to become a symbol that would bring pride and identity to many. The asexual flag. Thank you for listening to Asexual Fairy Tales. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast. If you really enjoyed it and want to buy me a coffee, you can do that at ko-fi.com slash Elizabeth Hopkinson 48513. Don't forget you can follow me on Twitter at hidden underscore grove or go to my website elizabethhopkinson.uk where you'll find links to all my books. All the links are in the episode description. I really appreciate all your support. Stay safe and keep reading.